bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and I have to tell you, listeners throughout the world, you are so lucky you're listening today. You are, because this is a real treat for everyone. Today, we have a great statesman, the former Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Governor of Pennsylvania, Governor Ridge, and in addition to all of these numerous activities, he also serves as the Chairman of the Board of the National Organization on Disabilities. He is one of the greatest leaders in America, especially for people with disabilities. He's a friend to all Americans with disabilities. I've known him. I've seen him in action when he was the governor, and let me tell you, he walks the talk, and I am so honored to have him on the show today. And Governor Ridge, it is Governor Dick Thornburg who told me the appropriate title (laughs) is Governor. Well, I think uh, Governor Thornburg and I have had opportunities to serve at the federal level as well, but we both kind of like the uh, title for the job that we worked very, very hard to get, and that was to, to serve with a great uh, honor to, and to have the privilege of serving as governor of the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So it's a delight to be on your show. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Well, and one of the greatest governors, and I am honored to have you on the show. You know, uh, Governor Ridge, we have listeners throughout the world And now that you, as I said, in addition to the millions of things you do, you are such a busy person, but one of the things that you do is you've accepted this prestigious position, Chairman of the Board of the National Organization on Disabilities, which, by the way, once again, and I'll tell you about this later, he really walks the talk. This just speaks volumes about where his heart is. Uh, But I wondered if you could take a minute and tell our listeners a little bit about NOD and and what made you decide to accept that position. Well, first of all, next year, uh, the National Organization on Disability will proudly and happily uh, celebrate uh, the 25th uh, anniversary. Mm. The NOD has been working uh, to advance uh, the cause of uh, Americans with disabilities, the people with disabilities generally, because they have an international portfolio as well since 1982. So we're very excited about that. Uh, several factors uh, uh, weighed heavily on my mind when I was offered the opportunity uh, to uh, serve uh, as chairman of the board. Uh, and I think it really goes back to an experience uh, I had in as a grade school student. A young woman had... Uh, uh, polio and uh, wore those heavy braces before the vaccine and we had to move her around in the chair when she couldn't walk up or down stairs and I thought what a wonderful thing nobody looked at our friend uh, Betty as a person with a disability they all saw her with a great smile and a, a good heart and a really a good person and we just looked beyond the disability to the ability and then I obviously uh, know a lot of my colleagues who fought with me in Vietnam who came back with great uh, severe disabilities, some of them uh, mental, some of them you know, very severe physical disabilities, and they've overcome those. And when I was governor and even when I was secretary, we had a disabilities agenda. So when the opportunity opened itself to chair this uh, marvelous organization that has worked so hard to expand uh, the opportunities and participation of people with disabilities in all aspects of life, I said it's where my head is, where my heart is, and I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to try to help. 
Well, I think it is wonderful for Americans with disabilities and for NOD to have you in this position because I know with your credibility and leadership and dedication that it, it will truly have a have an impact. Uh, Governor Ridge, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is you know my heart and soul is in the area of employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to mention to all the listeners that in 1999, I had the great honor of being named the recipient of the President's Award, which I received at the White House from President Clinton, and I was nominated from the Ridge administration, which I will forever be so indebted to you uh, and your administration for doing that. Well, it was the right thing to do. You deserve that kind of public recognition. And I think whenever we have an opportunity to elevate publicly uh, people who have championed the cause of uh, others with disabilities, whether they themselves have disability or not, it's very important. Um, you know, there, we have probably over 20 million Americans um, that uh, with uh, disabilities who are unemployed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, which maybe I, I'm not sure, I don't want to be quoted on that figure, but I know there's 20-plus uh, uh, million Americans uh, with disabilities, and we want, we'd like to have, I'd like to think at the end of the day they'd all have opportunity for employment. And the fact of the matter is they don't. In many instances, uh, uh, people just can't look beyond the disability to understand, appreciate uh, the ability within. And one of the one of the focuses of the National Organization of Disability, one of our highest priorities, is unemployment of Americans with disabilities. And we have uh, a terrific uh, leader and uh, leaders in that organization in that, in that particular initiative. And uh, we're hopeful that in time, uh, since we don't care what the disability is, we're hopeful that in time the NOD can take a leadership role with all the advocacy groups, with all these disabilities, and uh, make a difference in providing employment. We're working with the, the pilot project with the United States Army. You know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of soldiers have come back from severely wounded from Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, we also have uh, worked, and our leader is, is, uh, is uh, Charlie Day. He's the chairman, and he's been working for years and years to provide uh, uh, you know, basic introductory job experience experience to minority kids with physical, mental, and emotional disabilities. So we bookended with uh, young kids, minority children, and the other side is uh, wounded veterans. And in between, we know there are millions and millions of other Americans, but we're going to work real hard over the next several years to press forward on employability of Americans, and hopefully NOD will provide the, the right kind of leadership and vision to uh, get the entire disability community focused on that very critical issue. Well, I know that you believe in it because, you know, when that happened, when I was nominated and I received that award, I only had six employees. And now here we are, you know, 11 years later in 16 states with having hired over 300 people. But I must tell you that you were a great supporter and role model from the beginning of time. And I'm going to give everyone an example here. I want to tell you that when Governor Ridge had the – very prestigious role of the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security that I know for a fact that one of his very first initiatives was, where are all the people with disabilities? I know this for a fact because I remember when Dan Sutherland was on my show and said, here I am, one and Dan Sutherland, of course, working at the Department of Homeland Security, said that one night he's at home having 
dinner, and sometimes he doesn't like to answer the phone during dinner, but because he's with his family time with his children, he picks up the phone and he hears, Hello, Dan, this is Tom Rich, which, of course, he's ready to pass out since it's the secretary. And the question was, why, why don't I see more people with disabilities working here? And I know I don't know if this is all, you know, I know Dan has told that on the show, but I want to say publicly, you are one of the few leaders in the federal government that really pushed that initiative. So I'm very proud to even know you. Well, you know, Dan did a marvelous job. First of all, he's a very accomplished, very talented, very articulate lawyer uh, with a huge heart. And uh, we had a new office in the department, uh, the Office of Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. And uh, after the first couple of sessions uh, on, on the general uh, focus uh, and vision for the office, he and I sat down one afternoon, and I explained to him how, while we were the new agency in the cabinet, and we had considerable work to do to integrate 180,000 people, 20-plus different units of government. Then in his shop, uh, I'd hoped he would uh, pay particular attention uh, to uh, employment issues and, and looking around these uh, the new department and all the agencies that were aggregated to create the department and create a level of interest and understanding and appreciation uh, for the need to uh, give uh, individuals with disabilities a chance for government employment at the highest level. So uh, he worked on employability issues. He worked on preparedness issues, and I suspect we'll talk a little bit about that. But we also said we don't want this just to be limited to uh, federal government employment in Washington, D.C. I mean, these 180,000 jobs that exist out there, and there are estimates that 20 to 40 percent of that workforce will be eligible for retirement in the next three to five years. We need to have people in personnel offices within the department outside of Washington, D.C. They need some specific training. They need to understand where they can go uh, to uh, try to hopefully attract uh, people with disabilities uh, to employment within the department. And any success that uh, I enjoyed as secretary, and I think percentage-wise we did pretty well, but the numbers weren't as good as we wanted to be. We moved rather quickly. But any success there, I really think, is uh, I had the vision and the idea, and Dan Sutherland had the, had the energy and the drive and the commitment. And together, I think we did, uh, we did pretty well, and hopefully the department continues to reach out to uh, hire Americans with disabilities. Well, I think what you did is fantastic. And I admire you. And I, and I know there are 54 million Americans with disabilities. And if you're listening to this show, no matter where you are in the world, this is someone that you should always support, Governor Tom Ridge, because he really means it. He really does. He really, he really means it. He really takes action in this area of employment. And you know, Governor Ridge, it is so disappointing that even Senator Dole, when he spoke in an event I was at, uh, recently said it, it really is sad that here we are all these years later and we still have this astronomical unemployment rate for Americans with disabilities. Well, you know, I've I thought about that long and hard, and I think America over, and, and I think Senator Dole's right, he's a great American, great patriot, great role model. I mean, you can use the word uh, great uh, around him many, many times. But, you know, the, the, the business community, uh, the, the business world generally, I think over the years, over the decades, has done a remarkable job in uh, creating a very diverse uh, workplace, I mean, ethnicity, gender, race. Uh, but we're still, we're still falling short on one more element in that diversified uh, uh, picture in the workplace, and that's uh, uh, 
you know, working age Americans with disabilities. And I think, as I said before, I think uh, one of our major tasks as a country, certainly a major task as an organization, is to increase the employment opportunities for the over 20 million working age uh, Americans who have these disabilities. And uh, we're going to need the, the support of many other advocacy groups within the disability community. Uh, we need to see our individual pilot programs grow into something that is successful that can be replicated. Uh, but I will tell you, on our employability initiative, uh, uh, Charlie Day and his team have pulled together a terrific group of people, some of whom are, have very significant jobs in the human resources departments of major companies. And so slowly but surely we'll get the word out that uh, you know, we're not asking people to be hired in a sense of uh, for any other reason other than they have skills and abilities and capabilities that fit into your need as a business enterprise. So hire them. You heard it from him. You are listening to Governor Tom Rich, my guest on Disability Matters on VoiceAmerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with a true civil rights leader in this country. Governor Tom Ridge will be right back with you in a minute. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Spender. 
And welcome back to the show. And if you just joined us, lucky for you, because we have as our guest today Governor Tom Ridge, former Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, but really a great leader in this country for Americans with disabilities. And I think we have a caller on the line. Hello? Joan. Yes. Yes, Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. Governor Ridge, it's an honor to to be on the phone with you as a fellow Pennsylvanian. I'm calling you from Pittsburgh. All right. Pleasure to join you. Thank you for calling. Absolutely. Um, Joyce can tell you as uh, we are um, sisters of the soul here and and fellow Pittsburghers, um, the the work that you have done over the years in disability issues is, is really incredible and I think that as a as a Pittsburgher and as an ADA consultant and as a as an advocate for people with disabilities, the work particularly that you did um, heading up the Department of Homeland Security. I actually was at the conference, the first conference that you spearheaded with the National Organization on Disability um, down in Washington several years ago was was instrumental. Um, in integrating the issue of disability into emergency response and, and, and really educating first responders about the needs of people with disabilities. Well, I, thank you for raising that. Um, I'm happy to report uh, I announced uh, the first year that I thought it ought to be an annual event, and obviously mm-hmm. I did not have any control over that, but I am speaking at this year's event, the Emergency Preparedness and Response Conference, in the next day or two. So uh, it was pretty clear to me that uh, in the post-9-11 world, and actually NOD took a huge, huge step forward in a leadership role uh, when they visited uh, with me uh, when I was working in the White House, and we yeah. took a look at uh, uh, means by which uh, people with disabilities could get involved not only in the, not only in the planning but also in the participation Absolutely. of these uh, of the, these training and exercise programs. Absolutely. And uh, I think we've learned, unfortunately, from the Katrina experience that uh, there are some communities that really hadn't thought too much about it, and unfortunately, there's some tragedy associated when yeah. you don't uh, include this very important constituency in your emergency plans. Yes, yes, and I actually, being in the audience that day, remembering fondly the late Alan Reich talking about how, and I had known Alan for years, uh. talking about how he he wasn't the kind of man that you could ignore. Exactly. <laughs> and when he came to meet with you and, and came to meet with, with President Bush and said, this is too important to ignore. And, and you know, I we do a, my company does a lot of work in emergency preparedness and had been doing it for many years before 9-11. And we always say to people, you can't talk about emergency evacuation. You have to talk about it in preparedness. Well, and you Alan, right, and Alan Reich and Mike Land uh, made that point with uh, with several exclamation points afterwards. And yes. as a result of that, uh, one of the other initiatives within uh, the National Organization on Disability is the EPI or the Emergency exactly. Preparedness Initiative. Right, right. And I work a lot with Hillary Siren. Um, we we sit we sit on the um, Special Needs Committee on the International Association of Emergency Managers. So she's a wonderful colleague, and, and NOD is doing a fabulous job in, in, in the area of educating communities because they just – and they, they don't realize that, that the experts are in the community and they need to rely on us for our expertise. 
Well, and you're right, and more than willing to share it. I mean, it just it's, it's a tremendous resource that needs yeah. to be tapped into, and hopefully since uh, 9-11 and since Katrina and the advocacy NOD and the work that you and others do, that more emergency planners at the uh, local, county, and state level right. have been, been able to reach out and include people, not just in the, the planning exercise and the, you know, the let's sit around and talk about it, but actually get them involved in the drills and the training themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Joan, I want to say I want to first of all thank you for not only calling in, but I want to thank you for the great work that you're doing um, at ADA Inc. in this area because you make me proud that you're from Pittsburgh. So well, thank you. Thank you <laughs> yeah. for all the great work you're doing, Joan Stein. Thank Thanks, you. Joan. Thank you. Happy holidays. Good with you as well. Thank Bye-bye. you very much. I'm going to skip down to that for a minute. I wanted to ask you that uh Governor Ridge, I, I know that NOD is very involved in the emergency preparedness initiative. And just as Governor Ridge mentioned, you know, during Katrina, horrifying that there were people in wheelchairs and with disabilities, you know, that did not make it. And, and I know that you stressed this emergency preparedness all the time when you were at the Department of Homeland Security. You know, do you think we are better prepared now in the United States in this area for Americans with significant disabilities? Well, I think uh, we're not where we need to be, although we've made considerable progress. I mean, I think it is, uh, it's been reflected even with some internal reports from the Department of Homeland Security that, that, uh, that the broad outreach and inclusion of uh, people with disabilities and the planning and uh, preparation and training and exercise phase is not as complete, not as universal as it needs to be. But I, again, I think uh, this is a uh, is an evolution. People now better understand. I mean, the emergency management professionals who have attended the annual meetings and who have been reminded by the Department of Homeland Security are far more sensitive to those needs. And I think one of the challenges we have over the next year or two are to identify those plans and those practices uh, within the community that seem to work very well and very effectively and then just kind of embed them throughout all 50 states. Uh, again, it's a matter of taking a look at what uh, states and communities have done uh, the very best in terms of outreach, inclusion, and then uh, we don't have to replicate, uh, redesign the wheel. If it's going round and round and working well, we just have to see if these best practices are absorbed by other communities. And I think I think we'll do that. I think there's a part of the job of NOD and responsibility of uh, our organization and others to raise the level of awareness, and I think that's been done, and I think uh, action has been taken. It's not universal, but I think we're moving in that direction. Happily oh, in about good. time. As you said, we have a long way to go, but uh, we've got to keep that priority high. There's no question about that. Well, yeah, one of, the, one of the real challenges, and again, you deal with some very interesting issues here. Um, one of those, those issues of privacy and who in the community should know that so-and-so may have a, oh, the, the, the people in the neighborhood may know or people in the apartment may know, but how do we uh, ensure that the first responder, the policeman, the fireman, the emergency uh, professional, knows that you have a certain kind of uh, disability, sensory, mobility, whatever it might be. Uh, so they're in a position actually to, to respond, to help you, in many instances, help you help yourself uh, during time of crisis. So there's a, there are a lot of critical issues, uh, but when responsible and thoughtful people sit down, uh, they're all, they can all be worked out. And uh, that's part of the role of this emergency preparedness initiative is getting people thinking about uh, not just the problem, but coming up with solutions. Yes, right. 
Well, we have a question for you here from a listener in Washington, D.C. that emailed their question. And the question is, uh, Governor Ridge, how do you feel the technological and security challenges we are currently facing today impact the employment of individuals with disabilities? And do you feel that people with disabilities can be integrated as a vital part of the workplace that is actually responsible for the safety of our nation? There is no doubt in my mind uh, that uh, the integration uh, can be made uh, far more easily than uh, most people might conclude. And when it comes to the use of adaptive technology, um, I think one of the great uh, uh, great opportunities uh, for these working age Americans with disabilities is uh, the, 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 the genius of the uh, of uh, the, the technology sector has uh, created uh, technological uh, solutions to many of the uh, mobility and sensory and other problem challenges that Americans with disabilities have. And uh, one of the things we try to bring up to, to the corporate world is that, you know, adaptive technology exists so this person could be a very productive, contributing uh, part of your business enterprise uh, whom you'll enjoy not just as an employee but just as a wonderful person to be around. So, one, I think the technology's there. I think there are some government programs, and we certainly uh, looked at those when I was at the Department of Homeland Security. There's actually federal money available for adaptive technology for use by federal agencies as they reach out to hire individuals with disabilities. And, uh, frankly, there's... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think there's a an opportunity, and a resp- I think there's a responsibility on the uh, business community to use those adaptive technologies as well to integrate more people with disabilities into the workforce. Yes, and you are so right because assistive technology leveled the playing field. It does, and and, and we're getting better and smarter and more sophisticated and and more uh, technology sensitive uh, every single day. And when you think about assistive technologies and the, the vistas that it opens up and creates and the opportunity it creates uh, for uh, people with disabilities, it's a very, very exciting. And, uh, and, and the excitement should be shared not just by those who use uh, the assistive technologies, but by those who will benefit from that employee, that man or woman sitting there with that assistive technology, contributing uh, to the productivity of the business, contributing to the social uh, environment of, of the workplace. Now, it's just uh, it's a very uh, it's, it's ennobling and it's a very productive and it's a good combination. Yes, and just to make that point clear, because of what Governor Rich did when he was the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. You know, vendor consulting services, we do work with the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, thanks to you and thanks to Dan Sutherland and Michelle Ross and Kathy Lane, all great people. But I want to tell you that whenever they, you know, ask us, oh, we want you to go out and find the best and brightest college students with disabilities to work for us, you know, it's all about no pity. It's not about charity. It's finding exactly. the best people. It has to be equal, equal competition, which is exactly the way I believe. But let me tell you what, no one appreciates work more than a person that's been left out for a long time. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I just, uh, and, and, and giving them an opportunity to work at a level with which they're intellectually capable of working. I mean, uh, I under, a lot of friends I've known 
uh, people have had disabilities have had to uh, they work they want to work this is a culture this is a society this is a country where we really develop our own sense of self-worth not by what other people do for us but what we do for ourselves and that goes across the board and the same thing applies to these working age americans with disabilities uh... and so how we can integrate them more completely into the workforce is something that uh... Uh, we are we are challenged to do and need to do, and but to integrate them in a way that it's not viewed as it's, it's not a handout, it's not a charity. There are people out there with skills that can contribute. So let's match the business need with the individual's capability, and that's a pretty good marriage. That that's is a good outcome for everybody. That is a good outcome for everyone. And with that, you can see why we love Governor Ridge. You're listening to Joyce Bender on Disability Matters. On voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show, and we are talking to Governor Tom Ridge. How exciting to have him on the show, and he is so wonderful. He has graciously accepted being the chair of the National Organization on Disability. And Governor Ridge, I wanted to mention to you that a couple years ago, Alan Reich was on the show. Yes, we were all very sad 
uh, when he passed away, and I did replay a show in honor of him. I'm glad you did that, and uh, you know, he and Mike Deland were, uh, you know, were, uh, were just, just just such extraordinary, tireless advocates, and and Alan. Uh, had a group of friends uh, that were uh, generous in their support of NOD. They remain generous in support of NOD. His legacy lives on, and frankly, uh, the employability issue is is built around uh, part of his vision. Because at the end of the day, he wanted the NOD uh, involved in the employability issue in a far more substantive way than it had been in the past. And so, his vision and his dream lives lives on through the organization that he helped create. Yes, and he he just did so much to help people with disabilities and, and really so dedicated to all of this. And as you said, so is Mike Delan, another really wonderful person. But I wanted to ask you, you know, of course, as I've mentioned before, you know, when Dick Thornburg has spoken or different Bob Dole, different people, Senator Dole, everyone talks frequently about this horrifically high unemployment for Americans with disabilities. But in addition to that, as the chairman of the board of uh, NOD, what are some of your greatest concerns in addition to this high unemployment? Well, I, th- I think um, we, we've tried to uh, internally not to take on too many issues uh, mm-hmm. because you dilute uh, your attention and your resources. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that, uh, again, uh, Jenny Thornburg, uh, oh. a great, another great first lady of mm-hmm. the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Dick's uh, best friend and spouse. Uh, she works uh, on some faith-based initiatives involving the, the, the uh, world of uh, the disabled. And we have some modest programs like that that we want to perpetuate. Uh, we have the International Award. And this year we, we recognized at the U.N. Uh, the government of Poland for the work that they've done to advance the cause of their citizens with disabilities. But uh, so we're going to maintain those modest, those very important programs, modest in scale, I think, however, to uh, both the employability and the preparedness issue. And I think at the end of the day, uh, we don't want to deviate from that script too much because there are limited resources. You've got to keep your attention on a couple of priorities, and that's exactly what we're going to do. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, as, as uh, Governor Ridge mentioned, Jenny Thornburg, is so dedicated to this faith-based initiative. And if you're listening to the show, whether you go to a church, synagogue, mosque, wherever you worship, many of these places, people with disabilities cannot get into worship. It's not accessible to get in. And, And that's what Jenny Thornburg's big, she's dedicated her life to this. This is her big mission, trying to get those places realize that you must be accessible. And she had asked me a few years ago to speak at the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary at one of her conferences. And she had such an impact on me that, you know, the church I'm attending, I was going there for uh, at least a year and a half, no interpreter, you know, for the mm-hmm. deaf. Mm-hmm. And this I bet they have I one now. Them, I told <laughs> Is that right? You're right. Thank you. I, they, they, I told them, and you know what? She told me, be creative. So this is what I did. Where, you know, where you put the amount you're donating to church. I, mm-hmm. I set that aside for sign language interpreters. And, of course, this money was restricted for the sign language interpreters. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They are wonderful people at this church, and they now do have sign language interpreters. But I'm going to be honest with you. As she pointed out to me, remember, people don't even think about it sometimes. That's exactly right. I mean, just exactly right. And, I, you know, I've, and I've, I've challenged some of my friends in the business community or, or, or just generally, the next time you walk through, uh, 
you know, uh, one of the floors in your company. And, of course, there are some jobs because of the nature of the disability. Uh, it's it just it's, it's, it's too dangerous and you don't. But, but walk through uh, your business or somebody else's and see how many See how many, uh, see how many people with disabilities. You know, see how many, how many people are, are limited with mobility. How many people uh, uh, are using sign language. How many people have uh, uh, a cane or have their dog with them. And it's, you, you take a look at that and you say to yourself, well, I don't see too many of those folks there. And yet uh, you should because those are just signs of a disability that has nothing to do potentially with the ability that the person has that could be making a contribution in that workplace. So, uh, again, we got some work to do, but I think America's got a big heart, and uh, and I think part of our big challenge is the awareness that we still have uh, a fairly steep hill to climb to integrate into the workforce and make it completely diversified, uh, matching the great record that this country has with diversity when it comes to ethnicity, gender, and race. The final component of that very diversified workplace are the men and women with disabilities. And isn't that true? And, and there are so many of us. You know, I had, as you know, Governor Ridge, an almost fatal accident mm-hmm. oh, in, let's see, 1985, because my, my epilepsy was misdiagnosed. So one night I'm in a movie theater and had a seizure and hit the floor so hard I fractured my skull and ended up having brain surgery. And this is when I find out that, you know, that I have epilepsy. But there are so many. <coughs> people with disabilities out there, and sometimes when the employer says, oh, well, Joyce, we've never hired people with disabilities before, I tell them, oh, yes, you have. You just don't know that they have disabilities. Mm-hmm. There are many disabilities, as you know, that are hidden, whether That's it's exactly right. or whatever it is. It's just they don't want to talk about it because they're afraid, you know, they will be discriminated against. Well, they look at the job. That's exactly right. So that's why, you know, speak up. Listen to what Governor Ridge is saying. Speak up when you're going through those companies. You know, they have the ramps, they have the TTY, they have the braille on the elevators, they have everything except one thing. People work in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to be just visitors. We want to be employees. Right. Right? That's the way. Yes. And the contributing employees. I think you highlighted a very important uh, notion at the outset of our conversation. That is, that this is uh, not a matter of charity. This is simply a matter of... Uh, matching uh, what uh, you might need with somebody that has either a visible or an unseen disability that can fill that need. And uh, it's a great uh, great opportunity for both the employer and that potential employee. Yes, it is. Now, I wanted to ask you, Governor Rich, since all of our listeners are hearing you talk about the National Organization on Disability, uh, what can our listeners do to help uh, NOD, and how can they make a contribution if they so desire? Well, you know, obviously uh, it's a uh, organization that is uh, would welcome uh, uh, contributions of financial sort, but I suspect there's an even more important role that most of your listeners can play. And that's just one of quiet, relentless advocacy. I mean, my sense is if you have uh, uh, an audience that uh, tunes into you and listens to the, this wonderful array of uh, people that uh, you uh, have these uh, great co- conversations with, uh, they they must have a natural empathy or understanding of, of uh, what you and I are talking about today. And so the extent that they uh, can talk to, uh, uh, whether it's uh, the 
business leaders of their community, the church leaders of their community, the uh, the emergency management professionals in their community, the policemen, the firemen, whatever, just about a couple of the issues that we talked about today and, and remind them and gently push and prod them to uh, be thinking in terms of uh, emergency preparedness, think in terms of employment, and think in terms of uh, making sure that your uh, your service at your church is uh, accessible to those with disabilities. And that quiet quiet advocacy by people in the community is it would be a very, very successful extension of NOD's more public advocacy nationally. Well, you heard him. You know, you you always can speak up. You always can get involved. And you know if we sit back, nothing is going to happen. That's why we also almost always must be registered to vote. And, you know, there's interesting things with I've talked to not a lot of people, but since I've taken on the chairmanship, you know, I've raised it with some people who I think can make a difference, and, and it's it's and you do it in a positive way. They just never thought about it. I mean, you know, they now look. One of the things I think we we probably need to do, and we'll be looking at it in the NOD, taking a look at all these uh, well-intentioned uh, government uh, programs that support the hiring of uh, people with disabilities. But I've talked to enough people in in the businesses to say it's rather Byzantine list, and it's not well uh, well known, and sometimes it's not well coordinated. But there, there are plenty of avenues out there that I think exist. We may have to improve them, but it's just that quiet advocacy. Have you thought? Do you have your human resources department? Not that you set up quotas, but if you got, I mean, pick up the phone and call your HR person and say, you know, you know, the the two or three vacancies we have in such and such a department. Why don't you check with the, one of the local agencies that deals with the uh, some of our fellow citizens have disabilities, and see if anybody out there is qualified to do the job. I mean, it's simple as a phone call and an advocacy. Check it out. And why not have them in the workplace? We, what simple. we need to do is have you speaking every minute of the day across the country for us, Governor Rich. Well, I think uh, I a lot of allies and a lot of friends and people that support this notion. And, again, it's it's not to be challenged in a critical way because that's not right and it's not appropriate. Uh, but when I've talked to some people and said, you know, I... Just given that, give that direction to your human resources. Give that direction to your personnel department. See what happens. A lot of good things can happen with that direction given by somebody in command. You heard him. You heard him. Don't sit back. Take action. And we're going to be right back in a few minutes to close the show with a great leader in this country, Governor Tom Ridge, a friend to all people with disabilities. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. Conversation at a click of a mouse. Voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. 
At least 90% of sports success requires mental strength. And the greater the competitive level, the more critical it becomes to build that mental muscle. Tune into Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Your host, Jim Meyer, sports psychology coach, consultant, and author, offers practical, powerful, and positive mental game, tools, tips, and techniques. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental game with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognized transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. And oh, this is a show that I know is going to be replayed many times. And of course, it is archived on VoiceAmerica.com and BenderConsult.com, and that's the show with Governor Tom Ridge. But I think we have a couple uh, callers on the line. Let's take Evan first. Do we have Evan on the line? Yes, yes. Joyce, how are you? I'm fine, Evan. How about you? Very good, very good. Good, good. Yes, what wanted to call in to say congratulations to uh, Governor Ridge. Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, when you were governor of Pennsylvania, uh worked very closely with uh, your wife, Michelle, Ridge on the Pennsylvania Safe Kids Coalition. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we were proud of that one, but we yeah. couldn't, again, it takes all kinds of people to uh, get things done, and thank you for your participation and your work. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, and Evan is now um, running the Hill House in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, congratula- congratulations. They've got a great leader with a great group and a great cause. Oh, well, thank you. Thank. Well, we're we're so excited about uh, one your appointment, uh, and and also uh, you know one of our greatest advocates for really uh, making a, a, a continuous outreach uh, for people with disabilities is Joyce Bender, who uh, <laughs> I'm proud to say is on our board. <laughs> you know, I've I've noticed that during the show today. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, but I knew it a long time ago. Uh, but she didn't have quite the network to to uh, broadcast that as she did when I first met her. Right. You right. Know? Which is good. I mean, this is kind of that's the kind of very soft, very appropriate. But that's the kind of public advocacy, raise awareness, kind of push and cajole and move people in the direction of uh, of uh, just completing the diversification of our workforce. That's what I want people to think about. We're not we're not as diversified as we need to be as a country until we see more people with disabilities working with us. Pure and simple. Period. Uh- Absolutely. And I wanted to mention, Governor Ridge, that one of the things that Evan Frazier is working on at the Hill House is 
in the area of unemployment for minorities with mm-hmm. significant disabilities, which, of course, is the highest group of that group unemployed. So I think that's really great he's doing that. Well, you'll probably really appreciate uh, and, uh, the work that then that uh, uh, Charlie Day, who's chairman of our uh, uh, disability uh, partnership uh, initiative is doing. Sure. He he began several years ago as they manage uh, a program called SOS Start on Success, uh-huh. and uh, his work in uh, several of the uh, uh, urban areas was to provide introductory job experiences uh, for predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly minority high school students who had uh, physical, mental, or emotional disabilities and. About 85, 80 to 85% of over 1,500 SOS graduates went on to full-time jobs or further education. How about that? I mean, that's a pretty good success record. And But it starts with, as you well know, because you do it, early intervention and a little, uh, a little extra attention at an early age. And then success breeds success, and success breeds confidence. And some of these uh, work experiences... Uh, to help some of these young people to, over, to, under, to better understand in a more personal way, they can overcome uh, what they thought is a condition that might limit them, and they dis- they suddenly discover that there are no limits. Definitely. They can do more than they thought they could do. So uh, and he is, I mean, that's the kind of person we have uh, heading up the uh, National Employability Partnership. Great, great. Well, well, we'll look forward to having some dialogue with him. Excellent. Well, one of the things that we're trying to do, or we've had a long history at here at the Hill House, is serving uh, populations that tend to be hard to reach. Um, and one of the things that uh, we're, we're trying to do is supplement some of the parenting initiatives that we've had, you know, working with non-custodial parents, mothers mm-hmm. and fathers, and, you know, taking a step further and saying, how can we impact this whole issue of minorities with disabilities uh, in a much more significant way because, uh, as you heard Joyce talking about, the significant disparity as it relates to uh, really progress in that area. So we think that uh, if we come to the table, along with folks like yourself and others, we can make a significant difference. We haven't uh, worked out all the infrastructure issues yet in terms of how we can fund it and how we can sustain it. But we're, we're looking at how we can put it together, and uh, hopefully we'll have the support we can to really move it forward in a, in a powerful way. Well, you're obviously going to adapt it to uh, what you have uh, in Pittsburgh, but you, I'll, I'll get you some information on the SOS model. Be tremendous, and it might uh, you might be able to use it uh, completely or in part as you uh, try to uh, develop uh, a means to achieve uh, uh, those very important goals you want for these young kids. Yes, that I'll was... get I'll get it out to you. Great, all right, thank hey you. Evans, thank I'll get, you very get... much. Thank you very much for calling yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, Joyce will give you the address, or I'll, I'll reach out to you. We'll get it out to you in the next week or two. Thank you, Governor. You're welcome. Good talking with you. Likewise. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you very much. And I think do we have another caller on the line? Yes, Marsha. Uh, this this is Marsha from uh, uh, Pennsylvania. They must be letting all of we Pennsylvania folks in today, Joyce. <laughs> I just uh, wanted. I know you have only a few minutes left, Governor Ridge. I was uh, one of the family members and advocates uh, sitting in the gallery of the Pennsylvania House the day that you announced, in conjunction with your budget address, your wish. Uh, to have Pennsylvania commit over $900 million to address the horrible circumstances that so many Pennsylvanians with significant disabilities live in, that is living on waiting lists. Mm-hmm. Um, Governor, I just want to say that a group of family members were sitting in the gallery that day 
we all began to cry. We were uh, we could just not be consoled to have the governor of Pennsylvania um, make that kind of commitment to families in such dire need. I will never forget that day, and you are just one beloved governor here. We miss you. Well, you, truth be told, I miss being your governor. I just love being governor of Pennsylvania. Thank you for your nice words. I'm not sure that the waiting lists have been exhausted, but I'd like to think we made a substantial dent and reduced the number considerably. You did, sir. Excellent. And, and Marsha is the head of Achieva, uh, which when you were in Pennsylvania, did it have a different name at that time? Oh, it, it, we are uh, several chapters of the ARC. Our, Along yep. with, uh, of course, uh, our, our how we miss Dr. Uh, Gertrude Barber and, and oh, others. Absolutely. There's another, uh, another. There's another great story in the the world of disability in terms of uh, actually an entire family reaching out across so many different uh, ways to people with all kinds of disabilities in Northwestern Pennsylvania. And how they have. It's just a great story. I'm glad we remember Dr. Gertrude Barber on the show, even though most of the national audience wouldn't. But uh, she was a remarkable woman and a remarkable family. Well, Marsha Blanco is a remarkable woman and sure a is. patriot in this country. Um, and again. Right from, hey, right from Pittsburgh, what can I say? Marsha, thank you for calling in. You know, I just want to say one other thing about Marsha, though. That there was a, look, uh, it was the right thing to do, but, you know, it, it, it's, the advocacy and the approach that mm-hmm. you took was very effective. And, again, I, I just can't uh, overstate uh, the importance of uh, just uh, a sustained message in a positive way, whether it's to the private sector or to the public sector. This is a, uh, these are millions and millions of voices that uh, need to be heard uh, and just want to be included uh, and participate in America's uh, American life, in America's opportunities, in the workplace, in the church, etc. And uh, ARC and uh, Martian and similar related organizations did a very effective job in Pennsylvania. I agree. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Marcia, for calling in. Thank you. She is first class. She is. Hey, she is. She is first class. Uh, Governor Ridge, a question I ask every listener that's been on the show, and I'll tell you why you've accomplished so much, I don't know how you're going to answer this, but the, one of the questions I ask all of our guests is you have accomplished so much in your life, what are you proudest of today? <laughs> don't know um, how you'll answer it. Well, I, I, don't know, I probably can't give you an answer. You know, I just have been, I've had so many different opportunities uh, in my lifetime uh, to serve, um, many of them, most of them in the public sector, but some in the private sector. And, uh, you know, uh, I think everybody talks about uh, their children, and I'm very proud of both of mine. Um, and I, I think that's probably a standard answer, and one that I think is certainly in my, in my heart. Uh, I think of them all the time. And, but I, I, I think Probably that it, wherever I, whatever I've been given the opportunity to do something, I was able to make some kind of positive difference in the, either in the lives of individuals, families, communities, organizations. I mean, you, this notion of service, I think, is uh, something that Americans generally embrace. Uh, we've got the greatest and largest group of volunteers, I think, in the world. Our philanthropy uh, on an individual and institutional basis is much greater than any other country in the world. So America has a generous heart. And so I think um, probably like a lot of other uh, Americans, uh, you'd like to take a look at uh, those instances where you've had a chance to do something and you did it well enough that you made a positive difference in the lives of other people. 
that's uh, one of life's great joys, is being able to affect positively uh, the lives of other people around you, some you know, some you don't know. And I have to tell the listeners a quick story just to show you what I mean about everything he's saying. You know, you know sometimes you hear people speak, these really powerful politicians, and you, and you think, oh, they don't mean it. He means it. He, he really means it. He really does all these things. Because right here in Pennsylvania, when he didn't even know me, I was one time at this small little event at Hiram G. Andrews Center in Pennsylvania, <laughs> which is for a residential yep. uh, and training facility for people with disabilities. And everyone was just waiting so anxiously. Why? Because Governor Tom Ridge was going to stop in. But, of course, everyone said, well, you know, he'll only stay a minute. I mean, after all, he is the governor. He can only stay here a very short time period. So here comes the car, and here comes Governor Tom Ridge. And I want to make this one point. No news media was there. No media at all. He is into that building. He's talking to everyone. He stayed and talked to every person with a disability. That's what he's really like. Governor Ridge, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? Uh, well, first of all, I ought to keep listening to you because you're a great advocate uh, for, for the community of disabilities. But uh, I just go out and try to make a difference. And, uh, and I would hope that you'd focus in in your community to elevate uh, the awareness level of uh, those around you, that there are other citizens oftentimes unseen or not seen in the right perspective that just want a chance to participate. Uh, those are Americans with disabilities, so let's get about the business of, uh, uh, of including them in all walks of Americans' life, give them a chance to live the dream like everybody else does. And we always end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, and today it is from Governor Tom Ridge from the show today when he said, we, people with disabilities, we don't want to just be visitors. We want to be employees. And doesn't that say it all right there, Governor Tom Ridge, it was an honor to have you on our show today. Well, I look forward to hopefully a future opportunity to continue the conversation. We'd love to have you back, and we love you as governor. Governor Ridge, thank you for remembering people that have often been forgotten. Thank you so much, and we wish you and your wife and family a wonderful holiday. Thank you, Joyce, to you and yours as well. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening into the show. Don't miss next week. Karen Slaughter, internationally famous mystery author, is on this show next Tuesday. Don't miss it. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.